Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. And there is none besides him. His name is
remember, she is human, and she can be hurt by your unkind word. If she did not give birth to you, but is caring for you, she is your mother, and should be grateful. And you should be grateful to God that you have a mother who is a godly woman that loves you enough to embrace you as her own. And there are many families out there like that. Mine, I had stepfathers, obviously. So, uh, and of course, I love my grandmother because she embraced me when I was her child, uh, and my aunt when I was coming up. So, I'm speaking from experience here. You know, embrace. And when they give you instructions, not to harm you, but to help you. Uh, we have a tendency to look down on women. We have a tendency to think less of women. But I tell you, in the book of Genesis, God made them and gave them authority over the earth and gave them instructions to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth, and then to rule over it. It is not the man that is supposed to rule alone but it is he and his wife that are to rule together in their home and in all things concerning their lives and their marriage. Mothers are in doubt. Love them while you can, because when they're gone, that is it. I'm so grateful for my mother-in-law. I remember some of her laughs. The laugh just that funny laugh. And uh, I remember when she visited our home, I probably told her before. And, uh, she was too frail to walk upstairs. I said, well, I'm going to pick you up the stairs. She started laughing. You think you can pick me up? I don't pick the stairs. I just walked up there. She started laughing. And it was a laugh. But she was surprised that I could do it. But it was a simple thing. Uh, and so uh, I remember that about her. And she always said, just hang in there. I've been praying for you. God is a human church. So, I just thank my thank God for my uh, my mother-in-law, Miss Deal. Well, thank you, mothers. Last week we started the minister from Second Kings chapter five, verse one to The healing of name, a series of anger and service. Today I ask the Holy Spirit to complete this powerful message. So before we get started, let me just go back and I just want to read these 19 verses. Uh, that's a lot of verses. Let me just read some of them. I'm going to read some of Now nameless, verse 1, captain of the hosts of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master, and all of will be caused by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a shepherd. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captives out of the land of Israel, a little maid and she waited on Naaman's wife. Yes. Perfect. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for the word 
for he would recover him as his, of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten thousand silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now, when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him from his letters. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent or that he tore his clothes, and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man doth sin unto me to, to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider I pray thee, and how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so, when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had ripped his clothes, that he sent him, sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou Thy clothes, let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elijah. And Elijah sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wrong. He was highly angry, perturbed. He was really pleased and went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farfar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and he went away in rage. He was ticked off. His pride had been hurt. Your bigness in one place doesn't make you big in another place. You're just another person. That's all you are. You're just another person. And his servant came here and spake unto him, saying, and said, My father. If the prophet has bid thee do something, some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then when he says to thee, wash and be simple. Simple, very simple thing. Uh, sometimes we're so we're so goal oriented that we 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 we're so we miss the very simple things of life. Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto a blessed child, and he was clean. Ah, I love it. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him, now Elijah, and said to him, and said, Behold, now I know, I know that there is no God in all the earth, but in Kishore. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy 
and lead, and he leads on my hand, and I bow down in the temple of ribbon. When I bow down in the temple of ribbon, may the Lord please pardon your servant in his place. Then he said to him, Go in peace. A number of actions took place immediately following Naaman doing what the man of God told him to do. And recognizing his healing, Naaman did one thing here. He did a number of things. Here's the first thing he did. He returned to the man of God. Verses 17, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19 of the book of Luke. If you have your Bibles, turn there. Luke chapter 17, verses uh, 11 through 19. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture to those who are Bible readers, and we won't come to a surprise for you when you see it. Um, in, case, in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, and it reads, And it came to pass, as he went, meaning Jesus, to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galatia, Galilee, rather. And as he entered into a city village, a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voice, and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourself unto the priests. And they came to pass, and as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down at his feet on his face and his feet giving him thanks. And when and he was a what? Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten twins? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger, a stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. In taking this picture of Naaman, I, I, the Lord gave me, sent me to this passage of scripture here, this, this about these ten lepers, because there's a, such a similarity uh, in, in this matter here. Uh, first, I noticed that Jesus walking to Jerusalem, going past, where was he going past? He was going past uh, Samaria and Galilee in order to go to Jerusalem. So as he was walking, he had, the first thing I noticed is that he had an encounter and he received a request. Verses 11 through 13, and it came to pass that he went to Jerusalem, is that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and he was entered into a certain business there. He met ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So now, so we see there is the encounter, and then there is the request. This is interesting, because my guess they've never seen Jesus before, never met Jesus before, rather, because of their condition. Here's the second thing I observed. Jesus was not like the Pharisees. He was not like the scribes. He was not like some of the church folks that we have today. 
who will look at them and turn down their nose and turn their head and walk away from them. They say, hmm, turn up their nose and say, get away from me. No, no, get your stuff away from me, you filthy, nasty creatures. He didn't do that. Jesus, Jesus had compassion. Jesus is a God of compassion and a God of love. So he was consistent across the board. He didn't care what you looked like. He didn't care what you smelled like. He didn't care about how you were dressed, how much money you had. He didn't care about any of that stuff. He just cared about you. He just cares about me. He just cares about the people, period. So Jesus' acknowledgement is the second thing I thought was Jesus' acknowledgement of them. Many of people don't acknowledge you. They look down on you. I was in the airport the other day, and I, and, I, and, and I was walking. My wife was sitting here, and I walked up, and I saw this, this guy looked at me, and he kind of had this look on his face. And I told my wife, I served this station for 35 years. We went to war. And, it, you know, and, and people have this, this tendency to look at me a certain way. Yet, we serve. We bleed and we die. And in our own country, we sometimes may make it feel like we're foreign, like we're strangers. What gives them the right to look down on us? And what gives us the right to look down on anybody else? Jesus did not look down on anybody. He didn't think he was better than anybody. He was God, so he knew who he was. And so he was not threatened by us. But he is not threatened by us, by how much we have. Because what we have belongs to him. It's just all alone to us temporarily. One day we're going to be gone and somebody else is going to have what we have. If you don't believe me, even though you're still here, all the money you used to have and handle, somebody else is handling it now. You don't have it anymore. You get to keep being replenished, but you keep giving it up. So you don't handle the same dollar anymore. It's all. So they looked down on people, but Jesus did not look down on anyone. Not only that, Jesus acknowledged them, but then he also healed all ten. So I, I, that's the second thing I saw here. Jesus is acknowledgement and healing of all ten. Jesus said, when he saw them, he just said, let's go, show yourselves into the priest. And it came past that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. And with a loud voice, he glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. He was a Samaritan. If there is any doubt in your mind whether or not God hears your cry for your prayers, this is a passage of Scripture that lets you know that not only does he hear your cries and prayers, but he also answers them. The question then becomes, do you have a faithful expectation of him answering you when you ask him for something? Or has your call, has has calling on him become so routine that your heart no longer embraces an expectation of him answering you? Faith in the Old Testament was the key to God's heart. But without faith, the Hebrew writer says, it is impossible to please them. 
but he who comes to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The Hebrew writer is recalling the faith of Noah by his obedience to God's command to build an ark. He literally saved every species of breathing animal on earth at that time, both mankind and creatures. He was the, he had the distinct privilege of being known as the only person in the Old Testament credited with perpetuating all life on earth. If he had been disobedient, we don't know what would have happened. God would have found some other way. But we are told that he was the only man on earth that God found that was righteous. Huh. So why is what he did so important to you and I? Because he enjoys eternal. Come on now. I just can't stand it. Listen, because he enjoys the eternal recognition of being the only man on earth to save everything, every living, breathing creature on the earth. He is the only one. And that's something that you and I will never have the privilege of doing. No other human being but Noah has had that privilege and had that privilege only. And it took him over a hundred years at least to build that ark. Can you imagine the suffering that he went through, the diminished challenges against his mind? You are stupid. You are crazy. Have you ever heard of rain before? Have you ever heard of the earth flooding? But nothing like that has ever happened. Look at these people how they're talking about you. Look at these people how they're looking down on you. They're talking about you're sick, you're stupid, you're crazy. You don't lost your ever loving mind. They're looking at him and they're playing down. I don't know what his family, I don't know what his family's going to do. I don't know why they suffer, why they stay. If I were his family, I'd be gone already. And that boy is a fool. He's crazy. He didn't know God told him to do nothing. Who is he? Who does he think he is? He's just a crazy, cracked up nut. But listen, a hundred years it took him to build that ark, but he built it. And it took faith. Listen. All that time, Noah thought he was fashioning an ark, but what he was really doing was becoming a model of faith for you and I. With faith in God, Noah did what everyone else did, what everyone in his day thought was insane and impossible. You made God call you to the ministry. God called you and put you here as a prophet or a pastor or, or a priest or whatever he calls you here to do. Some people are going to look at you and say you're crazy. Some people are going to look at you and you're going to even start to look at your own self and wonder if, what God, if God really did say what he said to you. You're going to have that question of yourself. And you're going to have to remember that God called you and you have to go back to that official moment where he called you and you heard it so clearly and you have to hold on to it. In spite of how things look, in spite of what people say, in spite of all things, you have to be diligent. That's what Noah did. He walked by faith. He couldn't see it. He didn't understand it, but he stood still by faith. You and I, as believers in Christ, must stand firm on the word of God. We must know within our hearts that no matter how things appear, 
Christ, that Christ could do it, they would not have been healed. <laughs> now, if you look closer at Luke's account of these ten lepers, you'll note that only one of the uh, a despised race saw that he was healed of leprosy, that he turned around and he worshipped Jesus with deep, deep gratitude. Now, the Samaritan was, in the sight of the Jews, reprehensible. They were the worst and the worst. And yet the other nine, because he singled this one out as a stranger, implied that the other one were two. They had no gratitude. And that's what I, that's the third thing. I see here ingratitude of the nine and an affirmation of the stranger. Listen, 17 and 19 through 19. Jesus answered and said, Where were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are found that around that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto them, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith has made thee whole. Jesus was surprised that only the stranger, the Samaritan, returned. But returning to Jesus, by returning to Jesus uh, for their healing, the nine demonstrated by not rather, the nine demonstrated the same attitude towards Jesus that the Jews nation did toward Jesus. They, they, they look, Jesus alone has the power, that's it. Jesus alone has the power to cleanse the nation and make it ceremonially clean. However, the nation did not respond properly to Jesus. They wanted to stone him. They thought he was crazy. They talked about him. They got indignant. Why? Where is this is the son of Joseph? He's got beautiful words. He speaks with authority. But where did he knock in this man that has no learning, no food learning? And all of this, he's standing here and doing all of these things. Saying all this, speaking so eloquently with authority because he's God incarnate. He's God in the flesh. That's why he can do it. And they couldn't see it. The nation is listen, and this is the way a lot of people are. Remember this they are, they are, they are, they are fair weather people. They are snatched from you, they are drawn from you, they are pulled from you, and then when you go and it's all off, they won't know you. Remember the pride of the son. However, the nation did not respond properly to him. The nation accepted the things that Jesus could do, such as healing them and feeding them, but it did not want to accept them as the Messiah. However, those outside the nation, and oftentimes, more often than not, it's the people outside of your home, it's the people outside of your job that appreciate you more than the people in your own house do, the people in your own country do. You can serve your nation, and you can come back here if you're Asian, if you're African American, if you're Black, if you're, if, you're, if you're Spanish, if you're this or if you're that. You serve your country, put your life on the line, and there are certain people in this nation that will look down on you. They won't appreciate you. But if you go over to France, if you go over to Spain, you go to Italy, where you have served and you have those people, they will appreciate you more than your own countrymen will. The Jewish people would not appreciate Jesus. The, leader, the very leaders themselves looked at him and plotted to kill him, to take his life. And even after he nailed on the cross, you call on you, you did all this for everybody else. And see, you get yourself down here, they won't believe you. Even while he was on the cross dying, they disrespected him. Even though we have thousands, literally millions of men and women that have died in war for the defense of this nation and his right to live and exist and practice what it believes, they still look down on us. 
They took the Samaritan leper to come back and show appreciation to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Savior of life, the giver of life. He came back recognizing that he was saved and he was grateful. He worshiped Jesus, gave glory. Now this is the name of the glory. And so I say that I brought all this together because, look, like the Samaritan, Naaman had a double whammy against him also. Naaman was a Gentile, and first off, and second, he was a leper. And so the Samaritan was worse than a Gentile, if you can believe it. And so Naaman is serious as a Gentile, and he had a leper. So he had the same double whammy against him that the Samaritan leper had against him. He was among the Samaritan, was a Samaritan, and the worst of the worst of the worst of the human beings on this earth, so the Jewish nation. And he was a leper, which meant he was an outcast and didn't, didn't be around anybody else. And Naaman, instead, and look, after being healed, Naaman could have just gone on about his business because he was 50 miles away. The Jordan River was 50 miles away from Elisha. And he turned around, recognized, he turned around and went 50 miles back just so that he could have a face-to-face with Elisha and say, thank you. Say thank you. So that's just a powerful, that's a powerful statement. Just two words, powerful words. Thank you. And say it with humility and with great gratitude. Thank you. Too many of our children live a life of entitlement. The more you do for them, the more they want from you. The moment you say no, they get their lips poked out. They start talking about you all kind of way, treating you all kind of way, like you or something, you, you did something wrong. That's not the case. Is their immaturity? Is their sensitivity of mind? They don't understand. Money doesn't grow on trees. Where money comes from trees, right? Well, yeah, but you don't understand the process that it goes through. How much money it costs to, to, to fabricate that, that thing that wood from paper, and it has fibers into it. Paper, uh, that's uh, what they call fibers, and all that of other things, and ink, and all that other stuff, and all the stuff that has to go through in order to make it into a bill. That's it. And by the time if you take one dollar bill and you look at the process that it took to make that one dollar bill, that one dollar bill is worthless compared to all the effort that went into making it. And yet people kill for it. Yet people just fit their parents for it. People, if their mothers and their parents go into the nursing home and their parents are wealthy, they will do whatever they can to take every city that parents left, but they will not go to the nursing home and take care of their parents or spend time with their parents. I know. I spent years going back and forth to nursing homes. And many of them said, I don't know where my children are. I haven't seen them. Nobody comes here to visit me. Nobody. This man turned around, named and traveled another 50 miles back from the Jordan to the man of God to express his profound gratitude to God. His healing came, albeit with the smallest of things. See, all it takes is a little bit of faith. He storms away from there, all proud and stuffed up, and his chest poked out and just stuck out, talking about me. I thought he would at least have the dignity to come out and at least see me face to face and wave his hand over over the area and he cleansed me of my leprosy. Give me a break. He thought that because he conquered. 
And so where the, where the presence of God is, he wanted to take that dirt, and he wanted to take some of that dirt back with him to Syria, and then he wanted to put it outside his house, spread it out, and make it an altar where he could worship the one true God on the earth that came from Israel. That holy ground, that's what he saw it as, holy and sacred ground, and that dirt, so he could take God with him. He could take, well, not take God with him, but he could take the earth that God blessed with him. And down that earth, he can build an offer, and he's offered, and he can worship God there. I love it. Name of conversion. Name of the Spirit taught him that there was only one true and living God. Don't chase after all the other gods. Don't chase after the God of money and gold and silver and, and platinum and all that stuff. It's all stuff that comes from the earth that God put there. And it's all going to be here when we leave. Our treasures need to be stored up in heaven. As a result, he dedicated his life to God and began referring to himself as the servant of Elijah. A servant of Elijah. Thy servant. Your servant, for your servant will no longer offer either burnt offerings or sacrifice to other gods or to the Lord. That's power. And sometimes it takes somebody outside of your house to let you realize that God is real. You get away from your mom and your daddy. You get away from your brothers and your sisters. You get away from your home church and you go somewhere else. And you'll find the very same Lord that is being preached here, that was preached over there, is being preached somewhere else. And you walk in there and all of a sudden God gets you between the eyes and say, oh my God. They were right. I couldn't see it. I didn't understand it. But they were right. And as a result of uh, Naaman dedicated his life to God, Naaman has now dedicated himself to the worship only of God. But because he was a servant of a king, of the king of Syria, he was required to go into the temple of Rimmon. Rimmon was the god of Syria. to worship there with his king. This king would lean on his hand and bow down in the temple of river. However, he wanted nothing else to do with worshiping the same God. And then when you get a taste of the real God, all taste and see that the Lord is true good. When you get a taste of the real God, you don't want to deal with anything else. Everything else is just meaningless. And, 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 and he understood this. Lord. He said, when I, he said, when I bow down in the temple of Rome, may the Lord please pardon your servant in this thing. Why? Because Naaman was the servant of a heathen. Now that he had been converted to faith in the one true God, he was still required to be humble and submitted to him who had the rule over earth and rule over him. But just because you serve someone doesn't mean you have to submit serve their God. Just because you serve someone doesn't mean you have to live the way they live. He didn't want to have anything else to do with that. He submitted to his king, but not to the God of his king. You can submit to your God, but you don't have to forsake your faith in Christ in order to do your job. You can still do your job and serve Christ. 
God is 
gifted that job. They're the ones that have been designed specifically by God to perform that particular function. Just like you and I have been designed to perform the function that we we provide, we perform. Whether it's preacher, whether it's teacher, whether it's military, whether it's uh, government, whether it's student, whatever God has us doing, let's do it to the best respect of our ability, to the glory of God the Father. That's what it's all about. It's not about us. It's to be about us. If you think it's about you, you are you are a sad place in your life. No person is denied a relationship with God uh, should they desire to do so. Naaman came to Israel prideful and arrogant. He departed Israel humble and safe and healed of his disease of leprosy. Those who, and listen, anytime you receive Christ as your Savior and Lord, your entire life is affected. You would look at things that you used to look at and find and repulsive. You don't want to do that stuff anymore. That interest you anymore. So those who commit their lives to Jesus Christ must not continue to live as they once lived in deliberate, intentional sin. You must no longer sow into the God of this world and all that he has used in the past to keep you bound up. God has sent Jesus to free you, to liberate you. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the broken heart, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison door for those who are found, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of our God, to give the beauty for ashes and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaven, that we may be called trees of God. Not trees of Satan, trees of God. Hallelujah. So God offers forgiveness for your sins and eternal life for them in heaven. To receive this eternal life requires faith in Jesus Christ alone. After hearing this word, there may be one here today that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of their sins. God is ready right now to turn your situation around. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter where you've been. doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus is softly calling you right now. It's because of who he is and where he's been and what he's done that you and I are able to start our lives all over again. Jesus will give you eternal life. Secondly, if you're looking for a church home and the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to you to become a part of Jesus Christ's ministry global. You say, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to work. This is the place I want to call home. On my way to my heavenly home, we welcome you. If you're in need of prayer, I believe that God hears our prayers. I know he hears our prayers. There is no doubt about it in my mind. God hears our prayers and is able to receive us and to give us that which we request of him. Thirdly, if you're backsliding, fourthly rather, if you're backsliding and you want that joy restored in your life, I'm here to tell you, he will restore the joy. No ifs, or buts about it. He will do it and he will do it now. Finally, if you're away from your church homeless and you look at you need someone to watch over your soul while you're here, join our watch care ministry here so we can watch over your soul, pray for you, teach you the word of God, so that when you finish schooling here, you can return home to your home church and help your pastor fulfill the vision that God has called him or her to. In any of these areas, we welcome you. You're most welcome. God doesn't care about your color. He doesn't care about your nationality. He doesn't care about your race. All he cares about is you. 
those who are struggling with allergies and sicknesses within their bodies. Whatever the sickness may be, I speak healing in their bodies right now in the name of Jesus. It is so, and I pray that they receive it, Lord God, for it is done in the name of Jesus, and that they shall walk in their healing, that they shall walk in their deliverance. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's offering time. It's time to worship the Lord in our Today, as we prepare to give our tithes and offerings, we want to give cheerfully, for the Bible says, God loves the person who gives cheerfully and will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. We thank you, God. Now, please don't misunderstand what I said about um, giving to the preachers. And I'm not asking you to give to me, but I'm saying that God says that a workman is worthy of his hire. So every pastor that is in place to really serve the Lord should be blessed with your spirit, your natural gift, causes that we sow our spiritual gifts unto you, then we should reap from your natural things. And I'm not asking you to give me anything. I'm just speaking the word because I don't want any to walk in when you want to walk out of here or those may, that may have heard us from the outside to think that I'm saying that all pastors don't need to be paid. They need to be paid. They have families to take care of. They have responsibilities. They have their own needs. So you sow into the life of your pastor where you are being fed the word of God, where you're being fed, be repaid, give your pastor something. You give it to your pastor's life. Whoever, they, whoever your pastor is, don't hold back. God has given you some to sow and some to give to others and some to save. Manage your money wisely and give God the glory, the honor, and the praise. Amen. And again, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. We will never be able to, to fully give safe, we'll give you the pay homage to you as you rightly deserve. You have put up with so much, you put up with so much, but you bring so much. And so glad to God that we have mothers. Truly am blessed. So glad that we have women that are godly, that understand the importance of family.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.